Hey, Outrage Kateers, Derek here, just letting you know this episode is a week late getting uploaded because I'm a moron with shit for brains. Uh, in my rush to get to the States, I neglected to upload this episode. So apologies if some of the topics don't seem so topical. Uh, I hope you enjoy and we'll be back with a new episode this summer. Peace. Hey, Internet. How's it going? They can't respond, Dale. We've covered this. Yeah, but... Every episode. I like... Every episode. I, li- I like to just say it, because then they'll say, oh, I'm good, and then they'll be like, and then they'll be fully fully immersed. Do you know that they've done a study, and, like, the, how's it going is actually the worst way to start a conversation, because it just, like, prompts people to give you some generic shitty response, like... I figured... It would be the worst way to start a conversation because people might actually think you're serious and tell you what's wrong with their life. And you'd be like, yeah, no. No one ever asks that question wanting like a sincere response. They just want like the bullshit. Things are good. And then you're like, oh, I connected with another human being today. See, that's why I've skipped that. And my greeting for people at work is like, sup. That's all (laughs) I say. And then they're like, sup. And that's it. You have like, so you go entire days just having one word conversations. You could even take it one step further. Yeah. And just eliminate words completely and just do the, the head nod. I love the head nod. <laughs> just like, like. Or even a, and then they just head nod to you back. You're like, hi there. I'm acknowledging that you exist as a person yeah. in my space. Well, that's how I greet them in the morning. I'm either like, good morning or sup. And then. On our break and lunch break, we tell dick jokes. So we still talk to each other. Okay. So you communicate exclusively through head nods and dick jokes. Yeah, like every cisgendered male should. Sounds homoerotic. Yeah, it is a bit. (laughs) Oh, it was so funny. So I work with young guys and they're not fully like rounded out characteristics and their brain hasn't fully formed. And uh, so we have to wear these like latex gloves and... Knowing my personality, of course I'm going to make like a proctologist joke. So there's an old guy there and he's 65 years old or whatever. Or he's somewhere. He's like old, old. Like almost retired old. And so like he's working on a machine and I sneak up with my hand and like have my hand in my gloves and I'm like shaking the fingers beside him and I go, snap. I'm like, you ready for your appointment? And he's like, like, you know, just trying to make a joke and making him feel uncomfortable. But he's... In his mid or he's in his early sixties, so nothing makes him uncomfortable. Yeah, he's not phased and by. He's probably had many doctors. Uh, no, and then he's like, actually, I just had my appointment uh, about a month ago. I like to go once a year now because my dad died of cancer, and I'm like, oh, my dad died of cancer too. Uh-huh. And then we start talking about taking care of your body and how, as you get older, you got to go to the doctor more and you got to like take like pay attention to the stuff and he's like some dudes are scared to get their asshole looked at by a doctor but they actually should and then i was like huh and then i'm walking away and then like this young guy's like what were you guys talking about i was like oh butt stuff (laughs) (laughs) And and then like i was just like whatever and then i went and did something else and then like a week later he's like why were you and Ross talking about it like stuff? A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, 
I was like, had to think about it. I was like, oh, Fuck. I was like, yeah, I went in to make a homoerotic joke with the latex glove. And then we just started talking about personal health and doctor appointments and it totally backfired on me. And he was like, oh, that's fucking crazy that you made a joke about fingering some dude's asshole. And it turned into like this sincere yeah. <laughs> connection with like, are you friends with the guy now? Or are you going to hang out? Oh, we've, we've been friends for a while because he's like. The old guy who comes over and tells me I'm doing stuff wrong or he'll yell at me. And every time he does something, I'm like, look, if you're going to yell at me or stare at me disapprovingly, I get to call you dad. That's the trade off. (laughs) He's like, I don't want to be your work dad. I'm already this other guy's work dad because they keep telling. I'm like, yeah, well, don't tell dudes you're doing stuff wrong if you don't want them to like emotionally attach to you as some like replacement father figure. So, yeah. What? No, I was just trying to process that. I was <laughs> like, so if someone tells you you're doing something wrong, or you're doing something wrong, they're yeah. automatically a father figure to you. Well, when they're older, like, he's about the age my father would have been if he was still alive. So, yeah. That's like me. Anytime a dude plays catch with me, I'm like, you're my dad now. <laughs> this is my relationship with my father. Yeah. Uh, hey, this is Outrage Factory. <laughs> this is the podcast where we just ramble about a bunch of mindless shit. Tangent Factory. Yeah, this, we might as well rebrand. Uh, or Butt Stuff Factory. Could. Or I guess that's too be. immature. We should be like, keep up with your medical appointments. Proctology Factory. factory? Yeah. Yeah. We're, pro- we're certified proctologists. Personal, mental, and physical health factory. We were going to do the whole, we'll, we'll make that our spinoff podcast. Hey, I'm Derek Bolin. Uh, I'm your co-host. <laughs> I'm Dale DeRuder, your other co-host. Uh, we look at things that made people mad on the internet this week, and I'm actually really glad we're recording this episode later than we normally do, because the uh, the agenda was looking a little little slim. Sparse. And then today, a couple fucking big, beautiful outrage bombs landed in our laps. Yeah. And so episode 87 is going to be filled to the brim. And me and Derek might actually disagree on something finally. Yeah. I know a lot of you are like, ah, oh, these guys just agree on stuff. They're both super intelligent and wildly handsome and have the same outlook on life in general. But oh, my friend... <laughs> We don't. We we do disagree on some uh, Joe Rogan predominantly. Yeah, it's usually I bring up Joe Rogan and you're like, oh, he's right wing. I'm like, no, he's not. He's left wing. He just then, sucks. I think no. even if he's right wing or not, he's just he's he sucks. Fuck no. Joe Rogan. I'd say he's probably the most important man in modern media today. Yeah, I like the part of his career where he was making people eat bugs on camera because uh, wait, what was the sitcom he got started on news radio yeah well he started on this show called hardball but after six episodes it got canned and then he went to news radio he's good on news radio yeah and then he did fear factor yeah fear factor and he says like today he's like yeah i know it's dumb it's total dumb show he's like i I made people eat bull dicks, but they paid me good, and it lo- allowed me to do it. And then he stuff. hosted UFC for a long-ass time, and that's yeah. how he, like, actually built his following. And then he was one of the first people to podcast, and now he's just like, I don't know. Well, he was a stand-up comedian first. Like, he, nah, he did stand-up before he did anything else, and then he started a podcast. But the thing that helped his podcast get so popular was because he interviewed scientists. He, like... 
the reason his podcast got so popular was because the vast array of subject matter that he talked about. And in some ways that kind of hurt him, but now that he's done 1,200 episodes, there's enough episodes for any person to pick out anything pertaining to their personal interests that they can have a big listening library from. Like I personally got super into the Joe Rogan podcast because he was talking with Duncan Trussell about existential like philosophy and stuff and how they were talking about going to like the DMT realm and if those creatures were real or and then they like hypothesize that maybe taking DMT unlocks your brain and you go to a different realm and that's pretty sweet and then he was talking to Graham Hancock who is I guess you would say alternative anthropologist who thinks that humans have been alive way longer than the standard accepted 3,000 years or whatever. What? That's creationism. Only creationism believes No, that. no, not, sorry, not that they've been alive, but they've, they've been in societies and had cities and stuff because he's saying that like up like 10,000 years and maybe even lo- older, they had these cities, but we never found the ruins because they're underwater right now. And then he talks about like <gasps> space science. Like Atlantis? Yeah. That's what Atlantis could be. Like Atlantis could have been during the Ice Age when all most of the water on Earth was frozen. So the oceans were really low. And then once all the glaciers and stuff in the Ice Age ended, the water level rose and then Atlantis got covered. So Atlantis didn't sink. It's just the oceans rose. See, my thing with Joe Rogan is that he's uh, he's basically just like a meathead bro. He's like... Just like an average dude that you would meet at, say, a welding shop. Mm-hmm. And, but he has a popular podcast yeah. and he's media savvy and he, he is a good interviewer. I'll give him that much. He, mm-hmm. he interviews well. But because of this, people have a tendency to overestimate his intelligence. So when Joe Rogan like pushes these fucking weird alternative health theories – or talks about like uh, you know social justice issues. People are like, "Oh, Joe Rogan, the genius, is weighing in on these issues. I need to agree with him." When really he's just a meathead bro with a popular podcast. Well, see, those that's just people who haven't listened. Because if you listen to enough, you realize that he's self-proclaimed not a genius, and that whenever he talks about different health issues or social sociological issues, it's that he had an expert guest and they talked about it and then he pertained a little bit of the knowledge and tried to convey what they said. Like a lot of his health stuff comes from like Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who's a nutritionalist. And then he like reads different studies and like all that gut biome shit I learned from him. And then like I started drinking kale because of Joe Rogan. I st- or started eating kale. I'm a drinking kale. Started drinking coconut water because of Joe Rogan. Started drinking kombucha because of Joe Rogan because he was always talking about it because he's always trying to like – because he's older now. He's like in his 50s. So he's like trying to like stay alive as long as he can and he does like stem cells and stuff. And he's probably a little bit, of va- a little bit vain and that's probably not too good. But – He's always the first to admit he's not a genius. Yeah, but he also puts people on his show, yeah. which has a massive audience, yeah. that probably push theories that he's at least sympathetic to. Yeah. Which, so if he has like 
anti-vax doctors or like alternative health quacks or like people who think that tuberculosis can be cured with like Himalayan salt lamps. That's shit that like on some level Joe Rogan's like I want to have a conversation about this. Any of those on? I want to have. I just did a a Google search about uh, Joe Rogan anti-vaccination, and he has made some some comments that could be framed as anti-vax. No, he's had like, oh, who was it? He had a doctor on that was um, a tropical disease specialist. And this guy basically spent like two hours lambasting all anti-vaxxers and what's wrong with them. Okay. Like Joe Rogan's done like 1,300 episodes or whatever. So if you want to like construe like a sentence here or there that he said, that's true. The other thing is that he has kind of skewed more alt-right adjacent lately when like some of the guests he has on are like people who are totally without merit, like fucking Candace Owens and. Uh, I never listened to that one. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's I I did admire because he had Candace Owens on, who's a complete fucking idiot. But yeah. he did take her to task over she was denying that climate change existed, mm-hmm. uh, and he like grilled her on that. Which like, good job, Joe Rogan. But also, why the fuck would you give this person? space on your podcast, which is massive platform to begin with, because she just got famous triggering liberals on Twitter. Like that's her whole shtick. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, tangent. Yeah. I don't know. Like I find he more is, he's not really anti-liberal. He's anti like the overreaching left, I guess is the easiest way to say it. And he'll talk about like he had the, um, some like these high up dudes from like Twitter and Facebook and stuff. And he was talking to them about all their banning and stuff. And it was kind of slanted more right, but that's because those platforms are banning more people who are right wing than left wing. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, but I think you look at the cause, like, it's not like they're like, these platforms haven't been like, Oh, we want to ban more right-wingers than left-wingers because we disagree with their politics. It's we want to ban more right-wingers than left-wingers because right-wingers just have a tendency to, like, violate the terms of service more often no. and engage in, like... They they ban right-wingers because it appeases society as a whole to ban right-wingers, but when you ban left-wingers, then everybody gets up in arms. No, the left-wingers get up in arms, but there's, like, there's a pretty even, like, 50-50 split between conservatives and liberals, right? Like, you you pick any population base, yeah, and 50% of the population, depending on, like, age and demographics, like, 50% of the population is going to skew conservative, and 50% is going to skew liberal. But right now, the problem is that would be the way it skews... Ordinarily, but right now you have all these left-wing people who are liberal looking at people who are slightly less liberal and calling them out and telling them that they're right-wing and it's kind of like moving the line, the center line from right in the middle. They're moving it more towards the left, so more people who would once be considered liberal are clumped into the right wing. What? No, that's the op- the opposite is true. The, the the politics as a whole is moving shifting right. What? No. Yeah. Not you, at look, all. you look at, at the Democratic Party in the United States. Yeah. They are they're a center right party. They are yeah. 
like, and this is the left wing party in the United States, but they're, yeah. they have no leftist policies, like unless Bernie gets elected or like, well, that's true. Um, but they are very like, they're very hawkish. They're pro war. They're, yeah. uh, they're pro big business. They're, uh, pro religion. They're like, they have a few, they toss a few like, uh, social cause bones to yeah. their supporters, but that, that doesn't make them a left wing party at all. Well, that, like just because you're pro gay marriage and yeah. you know pro pro choice, that doesn't make you like socialist. That may, you're still very much like a center right party with a few of these leftist policies. Well, that's the problem with the two party system because at uh, one time you had a left party and a right party, and now just through the corruption of big business, the left party's been drawn more right. I was thinking more of people in general. Like what I see on social media and just out in the world. Yeah. Well, I, w- I will also say that I don't think social media is like emblematic of what mm-hmm. because you consider like you're on Twitter. Yeah. But if you go and like find a like average person on the street and be like, oh, I saw this thing on Twitter, and they'll yeah. be like, what the fuck's a Twitter? Yeah. And go on with their lives because <laughs> they true. don't fucking care. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is the social media is more of a vocal minority, I guess I could see that. Yeah, even since I personally started spending yeah. a lot less time on Twitter, yeah. uh, I have found that my political views have become a lot more, like, uh, less extreme and a lot yeah. more nuanced and just like, oh, okay, this thing is, I don't need to react to everything or tell everyone how much I care about a thing. Yeah, I uh, think that might also be to do with maturing, which I know you and me have been pushing back as long as we can, but now that we're almost 40, it's like we either have to kind of mature a bit in our emotional and political views or just be full on crazy. Yeah. Like once you pass 40, if you don't go a little more conservative and be like, well, where's the money for these social problem programs coming from? What are we going to do with this? And looking at like more, like you said, more nuanced and looking at it a bit deeper, we have to do that. Otherwise we'll just turn into like super lefto green party crazies. Uh, the more I look, that, that's a whole other topic. We'll get yeah. into that. But, uh, fuck. What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, no, it's gone. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it was you that I was fucking, did I have an argument with you about, what was the thing you just said? This is awful podcast fodder. Like right now just said? Yeah, like just prior to the things you just, just oh, said. Oh, that like uh, the line is moving to the left and there's more people being glommed into the right. That part or. Yeah. Although I think more people are whatever. Uh, do you want to do this actually do you, thing? that? Do you want to keep talking about politics? No. Why don't we continue this left right wing argument and go A into. Politics factory. Uh, yeah, this is the thing. So that wasn't even the thing that Dale and I were going to disagree yeah. about. Although we managed to find something else. Uh, hey. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Hey, in the uh, pandering their wokeness uh, part of this podcast, we'll talk about Sports Illustrated posting their first swimsuit model wearing, air quotes, a burkini. Which I have a problem with because... hijab? Hijab? Yeah. It's more of a hijab-kini. Like, I know they want to say burkini because it sounds like bikini, but a burkab... A, a burka, burka cover is the whole face. It's like 
the way it's the way it's said, a kneecap covers your head and has eye slits. A burka has eye mesh, so you're just like dressed up like a ghost at Halloween. And uh, what was it? A hijab is the one where there's the face cut out. Yeah. Um, so uh, Sports Social Swimsuit Issue put out a statement saying we are absolutely thrilled to announce that Halima Aiden is the new ha- ha- Halima Aiden is the newest member of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit family, making history as the first Muslim model to wear a hijab and burkini in the magazine. The Somali American model was born in Kenya at the Kakuma refugee camp where she lived until the age of seven before moving to the United States. And Dale. Uh, this woman also ran in the, what was it? She ran in a beauty, pa- beauty pageant. Miss, Miss America representing Minnesota. Yeah. I have problems with this. Like this is uh, this is hypocrisy on the level uh, that you usually only see in staunch Christian people. Whereas the whole defending of the burqa, the hijab, and the niqab to be wearing is that it's their religious right. And in the Islamic religion, it started as a way for women to cover themselves so men could protect their modesty. In that, men didn't want to look at hot women and be like, I got a boner now. Now my modesty is gone and I have these sexual urges. So they decided that women would cover up. And there's nothing wrong with this. Like if you want to like if you want to cover your whole body so that men don't get boners over you, that's fine. That's your choice. But if you're going to come at it from the aspect of this is religious wear and then – be like it's religious wear designed to be to go against like sexuality and objectifying women and then you're going to enter beauty pageants and the swimsuit model which is basically formed to do those things. Okay. So what about this? Yeah. That I'm going to propose to you. This is a woman mm-hmm. who is saying, I have the choice. Yeah. I have the choice to honor these religious traditions. Yeah. Regardless of whatever the fundamentalists created them for. Yeah. I can wear the, the hijab or the burkini or whatever the fuck else to, yeah. to pay tribute to my religion, which is yeah. important to me. But I also have the choice because I live in a free country that isn't a hardline uh you know, uh, Muslim fundamentalist country. Mm-hmm. I have the choice to also compete in beauty pageants or model in in uh, a swimsuit magazine. Like, I think this is why I'm like I'm. I don't have particularly strong opinions on this, but I think it's like a lot of the people's arguments that, like, okay, first of all, some people are saying that like this is an effort uh, by. Sports Illustrated to normalize Islam and like, you know, allow Islam to infiltrate Western society more, which is a fucking crazy belief. I don't think it's a caliphate situation where they're trying to do that. I think it's more of a Sports Illustrated being like, look how woke we are now. It is. And trying to get more because as we get more PC in society as general. A swimsuit edition for Sports Illustrated is not going to have a place in our society very soon where it's like 
you just have models in bikinis and you expect us to be okay with this? Well, now? I think this is why. This is probably how they. Yeah, so this <laughs> is a, like before you come at us for saying that we're sexualizing women and objectifying them and treating them as objects instead of people, look at this lady in a burkini. Aren't we woke now? Yeah. I will criticize Sports Illustrated for doing like yeah. obviously that was their way of like Trojan horsing or tro- Trojan horsing yeah. uh, the fact that they're still like objectifying women by being like oh we put this one Muslim woman in here yeah and that's okay it's almost like they're trying to gaslight anybody who would have like reasonable objections to still having a swimsuit edition. Right now, because didn't the Miss America pageant get rid of the swimsuit yeah, portion? Yeah, they, they recently killed Yeah, it. so they don't even have, like, the one thing when they're like, yeah, look at this hot woman. They don't even have the swimsuit thing now. So, yeah, this is just, like, a very ham-fisted, <laughs> look, ha- look at us. We're look, actually fighting look, for change. Yeah. So, I, I get that criticism. Yeah. I don't think... Uh, I think it's a positive thing in that. So the whole reason that I am generally fucking like very cool with Muslim people. Yeah. Is because uh, when I was like, what, 24, 25, living in Edmonton, managing a coffee shop, there was this Muslim couple uh, that used to come in all the time on like Tuesday nights for coffee after their prayer group or whatever. Young couple, super fucking cool, friendliest yeah. people I ever met. And they'd like, they'd chat with me about the religion and yeah. they like gave me a couple like books or introductory pamphlets yeah. or something. But like I had that exposure early on and I was like, these people are fucking dope. Like the mm-hmm. most like sweetest, most genuine people I've ever met. So I feel like exposing Westerners, particularly ignorant ones who like maybe their only understanding of, uh, of Islam is ISIS and 9-11 yeah. to like, to be like, Oh, here we also have this, like this Western friendly model mm-hmm. who is a Muslim mm-hmm. and she's not a terrorist. Yeah. I, I feel like that could yield some, some net positive benefits. Like if there's some 12 uh, year old Midwestern boy whose dad fucking hates Muslims and, wants them all banned from the country and he's, you know, touching his dick to this Muslim woman. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he will be softer and kinder (laughs) to Muslims down the line. See, I agree with you. Like I don't have a problem with Islam or Christianity or Judaism. I just have a problem when they get into the underlying sexist to undertones underlying sexist undertones yeah like the whole fact that the women have to like you see women wearing like head to toe just covering their whole body yeah that makes sense but then the dudes are just wearing like flip-flops and track pants like i will say i have a strong objection to the flip-flops like yeah. anyone who exposes their feet like yeah. no like i don't have a problem with religion because i don't think people should have like should have to live their life a certain way. What I have a problem with religion is that too often it's used as a way to easily break down people into us and them. Like if you have a religion where you're like anybody who's not one of us should either be turned into us or they are less worth less as a person in general, I have a problem with that. 
And I'm my main problem with like the burqa, the niqab, and the hijab is not that it's Muslim. My problem is that women wear it and there's no counterpoint for the men. So it's like it's kind of like this underlying rape culture where all of the responsibility for all the sexual activity falls on the woman and then the men don't have anything because they're like, well, we – the men are protecting their modesty so the women have to cover up. It's like, well – why don't the men have to just like fucking keep their shit contained and let the women be however they want, whoever they want to be. So you're bringing up my problem with, with religion. Like I, I also, I don't have a problem with religion. Mm -hmm. What I have a problem with is fundamentalism. And so so you will find that and you'll find it in, in Christianity too. Mm -hmm. You don't see it as much anymore because it's been Westernized to the point where most Christians are moderates now. Right. Like they'll, They'll uh, they'll go to church every Sunday, but mm-hmm. they'll also like whatever, like jerk off to porno mags yeah. or uh, eat fucking fish on Fridays or yeah. whatever the fucking like all the weird rules. <laughs> but when when you have fundamentalists in any religion, those are the hardliners who are yeah. like, and they're they're all kind of very male centric because mm-hmm. back when these religions were created, that was it was a very like it was patriarchy like yeah fucking to the core mm-hmm. all these religions were created by men and they they did subjugate women a, a lot and and you'll kind of see that across the board i don't know if you see it in uh, judaism so much but uh, um, definitely it's weird because judaism is the one i don't know much about like orthodox jewish people who wear like the black wool robes and like the curly hair and stuff i don't know next to anything about that but you know what was fucking dope? Going to like Brooklyn, yeah. New York, and just driving around Brooklyn, yeah. and all of a sudden we're like in this community, and there's those fucking like the oh like, the Hasidic Jews, the Hasidic yeah. Jews, fucking everywhere. It was amazing. I was like, this is exactly what I expected from New York, and they delivered. <laughs> like it was not just a stereotype. Yeah, yeah. No, I think another thing too is like my whole life, like I'd say since the mid '80s or early '80s, as long as I can remember, I remember. Like being raised in the Christian church and being like, this is fucking sexist. This is like built by. Oh, young, young Dale was very yeah. woke as well. I was probably more. I was like, this is way sexist. I can't believe how much slanted this is to benefit men than women. And then I felt as in the last 30 years, there was this huge in like, I don't know. It's it's like a small uh, sample group because it's just what I've witnessed, like which would be Western Canada. I've noticed that. Like the hard Christian ideals that were embedded into our society growing up in a small town in BC have laxed greatly and it's really good because now you can go to stores on Sunday. Like I remember when we were kids, there were stores closed on Sunday because it's God's Day and just all these other weird religious stuff that society just, I guess, softened on and then – you have and now it's just like you see this other group where it's like you kind of got to start over because you're like, well, this is so sexist that the women have to cover their whole bodies. And you're like, oh, I already went through this when I was a teenager. And you're like, I can't believe I have to do this again. Well, so that's the, the thing that I believe about Western Muslim women who do yeah. things like wear the hijab or the burqa. I, I don't see too many burqas around, but definitely hijabs. Um 
I feel, and this is 100% assumption, and if we have any Muslim listeners who would like to correct yeah. me on this, or people who know Muslim people who would like to correct me on this, I feel like in Western society, if they're not coming from fundamentalist households, yeah. that they're making the choice to wear those yeah. things. It's like a, a, like a Catholic you know, mom wearing like a rosary or something. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that allows them to like pay tribute to their religion, but like ultimately they they make the decision to wear it. It's not a man subjugating them and telling them that they have to. Yeah. Again, I could totally be off base, but I feel like when I see that in Western culture and, and white people have a tendency to get all up in arms, both the left yeah. and the right, this is like the one thing they agree on, is that, like, <laughs> uh, uh, that these things are a symbol of oppression for women, yeah. which may be true, and that may have been true in the past, and it's definitely true in a lot of countries like, you know, fucking Iran, Saudi Arabia, like the the fundamentalist yeah. countries. But here in, like, Canada or the United States, it, is it? Do women have the choice to wear these things, or are they told by their families or their religion that they must? I think it, it goes a little deeper than that. Like, the one thing you could compare this to... Like, it sounds very bad for me to say this, but the one thing you can see white people doing something very similar is Mennonites. And I went to a Mennonite, like... They make great sausage. Yeah, I went to, when I grew up in Enderby, I went to a Mennonite uh, Bible camp when I was a kid. And they had, they didn't have anything as, I guess, extreme as the burqa, but they ha- in Mennonite, like, churches, the women always have to wear dresses. Like... It's kind of like that. Like they wear dresses and they wear this like the, black the white. button on their head. Oh yeah, and it's weird because as we get going in society and we further ahead, they kind of lax it where they can. They have to wear the dress, but they can wear jeans underneath. So you see these girls like doing activity, like they're playing sports or something. So they'll wear like athletic shorts under a sundress. And then if they're going out in to like play in the snow, they'll wear snow pants under their sundress or they'll put on a sundress and or like a regular dress. I'm just using a sundress because that's the one you see the most because it's lightweight and it's not as encumbering as like the full length, like thicker material dress. But they'll like tuck it into their swims or their um, uh, snow pants. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, sure, they have the choice. Like, they could leave their church and not have to be, like, wear dresses. And you see a lot of them, like, uh, you'll see a lot of women, uh, Mennonite women leave the church. And the first thing they do is get rid of the dress because as anybody who's worn multiple layers of garments in summer knows, it's just too hot and uncomfortable. (laughs) And... Shorts and flip-flops is easily the most comfortable outfit you can wear. Minus the flip-flops. Wear fucking closed-toed okay, shoes, Okay, fine. Uh, shorts and closed-toed shoes for Derek. So, on one hand, it is their choice. But on the other hand, it's kind of like an underlying, like, you'll bring, you'll get, like, shame and sideways glances and stuff. Like, I don't know exactly what it's like for the Muslims because I'm not a Muslim, but... I know what it's like for the Mennonites because I was in their church and I like talked to little girls when I was a little boy. When oh, I was thank going, you for the clarification. <laughs> when, I was, when I was going to the Bible day camp and we learned about Jesus and stuff. And 
it was kind of like it was kind of like when you and me grew up in church. Like I don't know if you had this. Like anytime you wanted to do anything that wasn't like proper, like air quotes proper, like the other the older people in the church would like kind of scold you and tell you it's inappropriate. Like when you went to church and you didn't want to wear your dress clothes anymore and you wanted to wear like a heavy metal t-shirt and you're like, we can't, your parents are like, we can't do that. Like a slayer with a pentagram yeah. on it. Like. Yeah. Or like you want to wear shorts instead of pants or you want to wear like flip Tiva sandals. The big thing for me, cause this was like in the early nineties was Tiva sandals. I had this pair of Tiva sandals. What the I don't know. They're like those three strap sandals. That like they go around the heel and over. Oh dear lord! Yeah, like those are worse than flip flops. Why yeah. would you wear those? Everybody was wearing those in the nineties. That was like the footwear to be. And I wanted to wear those instead of shoes because it was the cool thing to wear, and I wasn't allowed to. And then I don't know if you know this about my childhood, but I had this ability to kind of whine until my parents just gave in and were like, "Okay, fine, do it." Yeah, we've also talked about. How you got women to have sex with you. For <laughs> let's, let's keep that conversation separate. I don't want to talk about me wearing specific clothes in church as a little boy and how I used maybe questionable tactics to get laid in my early 20s. But like I wore these Tiva sandals and then my grandma was like, why are you wearing that? You shouldn't be wearing that to church. Thank you, grandma. Yeah. And it's like. It's not necessarily I was forced to, but I could I'm just trying to say like like maybe life's easier for them or they're kind of like coerced in a way to wear that certain outfit. Yeah, this is why I'm like my whole fucking stance on religion is that you don't take kids to church. You it should be like a kid free zone. Yeah, you don't indoctrinate your kids into a religion while their brains are still soft and pliable and you tell them that this is like factual truth Mm -hmm. and that this actually happened, you wait until they're adults and they have fully formed brains and they can like string a coherent thought together. And if they decide they want to go to church after that Mm -hmm. and believe in it, fucking cool, then they'll probably commit to wearing the clothes and they'll commit to the moral code, Mm -hmm. allegedly. (laughs) But instead you end up with, all these parents who want to indoctrinate their children into the yeah. church so that the kids grow up believing the same things they believe. And the kids either turn out totally fucked up like you and me or they – well, either way they turn out totally fucked up because they <laughs> either like leave and rebel against the church yeah. or they kind of like walk through their entire lives like devoutly believing in something without understanding why because it was never their choice to make. Yeah. On one hand, I agree with you. We shouldn't take kids. But what we should do, like I really liked kind of the value system you're taught in the church. Like basic rules like be nice to each other, treat each other nice, hurting each other's feelings is bad, and God will judge you and Jesus won't like you if you're a dickhead. Now, I feel like we should teach kids those lessons but maybe get like the supernatural aspect out of out of it. Just be like – We should have like – there's no way to say this without sounding like some weird like socialism thing where you say – where instead of saying God, you just have society and you're like society runs better if we treat each other nicely and we don't murder each other because if we start murdering each other, then it's chaos and you can't just have a house because somebody will murder you and take it. So if we all just play by these like set rules – 
Society can be great, and you can have video games, and you can watch Netflix at night. What's that? The Purge? Yeah. What we should do is get a bunch of three- and four-year-olds and sit them down and make them watch (laughs) The Purge and be like, if you aren't a nice person, this is where we're headed as a society, and make them watch the whole fucking thing and do the, like, the clockwork thing where you actually, like, pry their eyes open so they can't look away. Funny note, uh, the first Purge, the newest Purge in the series, this is the only one I've watched. I never watched the first, like, five of them. I don't know how many there are. But it's called The First Purge, and it's kind of like... It's showing how the purge came to be about, which I figure they should have had in the first movie. Would have made sense, yeah. But like, it turns out that it's like this political undertone set up by the government to get like population down because like we don't have enough resources. We'll start this experiment, the social experiment, where they could kill each other and there's no laws, and hopefully. And they started in like the projects, and they're like, hopefully, all these poor people will kill each other, then we won't have to support them through through social programs, and that's how the purge started. So it's kind of like... I mean, we're probably not that far out from that in real life. Well, on one hand, we're getting to a point where we got too many people. But on the other hand, I just feel like there's some sort of natural disease that's going to take care of it for us. And it won't be anybody's fault. Well, except for people for warming the earth and... Not getting vaccines. I'm still scared of these diseases coming out of the ocean. As the water desalinates, we don't know what the fuck's in there. I know. You're like, on, a, you're on a, a tear on this one lately. Like the movie The Thing with Kurt Russell where they're like up north somewhere and the fucking alien comes out of the ice and it can shapeshift and it murders all of them. Yeah. The movie was fucking amazing. It's also terrifying because that ice, they don't even have to drill in that ice to unleash the alien. That's just just melting. Like, there's ice that has been frozen for, like, 20,000 years. We don't know what the fuck's in that ice. We don't know, like, if there's some sort of, like, single-cell organism that's just going to wipe us out. Like, if there's, like, mushrooms point two, like, a different type of fungus that's just, like, turns sentient and then just, like, starts digesting us while we sleep. What's the freaky one? The uh, cordyceps. cordyceps that, like, yeah. fucking in- invades... Your brain and will yeah. control your body to like propagate. They don't do it to humans yet. They do it to ants. But it's yeah, they totally do it to fucked. The, the most fucked up thing is they do it to ants and all other types of bugs. And there's a different strain for each type of bug. And it looks different on each. Like there's one for grasshoppers, spiders. And it's like, like you just watch BBC Earth. It's on there. And David Attenborough just like chills you to the bone because he's like explaining it in this like smart guy British voice. And you're like, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen. And he's all like calm about it. But like what will happen is an ant will climb up a stalk of grass. And then as it's dying, it'll clamp on and sit there. And then the cordyceps mushroom will grow out the back of its head. And then the fungus like spores will make it a little thing and then they'll pop and then they'll rain down on the other ants and infect them all. Yeah. But this like fungus has evolved to the point where it like somehow, like, yeah. it, like it's evolved to target one specific insect. Yeah. And make that insect. Yeah. Actually like propagate and spread this fungus further, like through like mind and body control. Yeah. It's fucked up. And then you get into toxoplasmosis where it's this like fucking like parasite that can change your brain to make you more aggressive. And like 
how many steps away are we from like a human form of cordyceps mushroom? Yeah. Well, that was uh, the premise. What was that video game? Uh, uh, that one for PlayStation. Uh, Last of Us. Yeah. But that was the whole prep. It was basically like there's this cordyceps fungus that like takes over huh. people and turns them into like zombies. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, violent psychopaths. Yeah. I thought that was like a zombie game, but I guess that's sort it's of similar. Cord- cordyceps, man. Yeah. Cordyceps. Like, that's all fucking terrifying. So if that happens, at least we won't have to make up a purge because people will just die from mushrooms and we won't have to kill each other. And then maybe we'll finally, as we see this mushroom fungus taking over our brains and then growing out the back of our heads and shooting spores all over everybody else, we'll finally get over our religious differences. (laughs) I like how you brought it all back and closed the loop. I was like, how are we going to close this segment off? You found a way, Dale. There you go. Maybe... Now stay with me here. We we had a it was closed. Maybe it was closed off. This is the best thing to have burkas for because if you're covered in in like material head to toe, and then you have a cordyceps mushroom growing out the back, and the pops and the spores go everywhere, they'll They'll just stay inside the the outfit, and they won't infect others. Maybe we should all start wearing burkas just in case, just in case cordyceps mushrooms happen. All right. Dale, in the course of one podcast, Dale went from anti-Burka to pro-Burka. Yeah. Specifically because of the very real threat of cordyceps. See, I've always wondered, what would happen if I wore a Burka? What would happen to me? Would that be like cultural appropriation and insensitivity to other religion? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Well, then it's not a choice to wear it. (laughs) Is it? If you converted to Muslim. if If I can't wear it. Because it's super bad for me to wear. Then they have to wear it because it's super bad for them to not wear it. Like if they truly had the choice to not wear it, then I would have the choice to wear it. But you have the choice to wear it. You yeah. just be an asshole <laughs> if you did. <laughs> Valid point. All right. And uh, I definitely wouldn't be an asshole if I didn't wear one. We're at 45 ever. minutes. I don't know if we're taking a break. Should we just keep going? Do you want to plow through? Let's let's just do it. We're yeah. not taking a break. Oh, boy. We're going. We will talk for like another fifteen minutes. Yeah, because you gotta go see your. Oh, I'm flying to the United States of America tomorrow to my adopted home city of Philadelphia to yeah. visit uh, my girlfriend Kate. Noise. Have you seen Shazam yet? It's based in Philadelphia. I saw it with you. <laughs> I was there in the theater. Oh yeah, you did. When we watched it, great movie. And I was Derp. like, it was very. I had that like. That feeling, because yeah. like ninety percent of movies are shot in Vancouver. Oh, and yeah. I'm always like, I recognize that, and this one was shot in Philadelphia, and I got yeah. to be like, I recognize all this stuff because I'm a Philadelphian now. Oh man, I started watching the, this is like totally off, but I started watching the totally show off topic. called The Protector on Netflix, and it's Turkish, so it's all based in Turkey, and it's like, oh man, this is so refreshing to see them like running around like like a city scene that has nothing to do with Vancouver or North America <laughs> and all the like musical stings are like Turkish music. And then it's like, he goes and grabs like two of these little Turkish teas and he takes one to his dad and they're like talking about like some business he wants to open. So it's like super cool. Cause it's like, I don't know. I haven't gotten too far into it, but I think it's like some movie where he becomes like a protector or a TV show where he becomes a protector of some rich hawk girl. I don't know how it works yet, but all the flavor and the background is all Turkish. So it's kind of like, oh, this is like new and refreshing. But it's the same old story. 
but it's in a different environment. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if they've walked back. They still do film a ton of shit in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, oh, they, they'll always film in Vancouver because they get huge tax breaks and it's cheaper. And then well, especially with the fucking, so great time to be dating an American girl because the yeah. Canadian dollar is fucking garbage right now. Oh, is it? What's uh, it at? Oh, 70 cents on the American dollar. So yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's yeah. super bad. <laughs> Super bad. <laughs> <laughs> also filmed in Vancouver. Oh, nice. Uh, well, I assume because what's yeah. his face and the other guy are from here. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? You've been talking about this fucking monkey thing for like oh three my God. weeks. So do you want to get into the monkey thing? I think I mentioned it on a different podcast, but I don't know if we talked about it. But just do it. So what happens just is go. this is a little peek on what happens in Dale's real life. So. Me and you will talk about something on the podcast because we like kind of pay attention because we want to be topical and talk about stuff that's kind of like people are talking about right now. So we'll talk about something. I'll voice my opinion. I'll forget about it. And then two weeks later, my girlfriend will bring it up because she just saw it in the news. And that happened with this monkey thing because in China, some scientists are putting the, – the easiest way to say this is they're making Reese monkeys smarter – by putting like human stuff in them, like gene therapy and all the splicing and stuff. And they're trying to make these smart monkeys. And I was like, and my girlfriend brought this up and I was like, well, this is great. Now we don't have to worry about robot overlords because we can make monkey dudes and monkey women and they can be the ones who do all the untrained labor. And she's like, yeah, but that's slave labor. And I'm like, no, we'll pay them minimum wage and they'll fucking love it. Because they're like monkey people. Like, what do monkeys need to be happy? Isn't this literally the plot of Planet of the Apes? Like, I I swear to God. Yes. We just want to, like, be like, oh, this post-apocalyptic movie. Let's do that in real life and see if that movie comes true. Yeah, tell that to China. They're the ones doing it. I'm saying, I'm trying to look on the brighter side. Yes, this could single-handedly be the apocalypse that ruins the Earth. But on the other hand, we could free up people to do to not do jobs that they don't like to do because a lot of people don't want to be janitors. Some people love being janitors, so they could keep being janitors. But like talking about like cleaning up parks and mowing lawns and like all the untrained labor that right now we have temporary foreign workers to do. You could get these monkey people to do it and like all you need – all a monkey needs for happiness is food and shelter. Like they don't have the like sentience that we have where we have all the shame and we have to feel productive and we like have – use everybody around us as a measuring stick to see how like we're doing financially. Like monkeys don't have to worry about that. OK. They'll just buy nuts and then be happy. So here's my thing. Yeah. If you start putting – human intelligence yeah. into a monkey. Yeah. At what point does it stop being a monkey and start being a human? I think. Would a monkey who had a human brain mm -hmm. juice, mm -hmm. for lack of a scientific <laughs> term. <laughs> Just say genes. Uh, sure. Monk, um, human genes. Human brain genes. Because we don't have to like say what that is. People just kind of like, oh yeah, that's a that's a real thing. Yeah, I got that's a science thing. I don't know what it is, but I'm too ashamed to point out that it sounds like horseshit because <laughs> I don't know what exactly it is. I don't want to sound like an idiot. Yeah, and these are the guys with the podcast. Clearly, yeah. they know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, at what point would 
it's start behaving and thinking like a human. So, like, you have a monkey that's perfectly fine throwing shit in the jungle. Yeah. And then you take it out and you put human brain genes in it. Yeah. And suddenly it's a janitor. Yeah. At, say, like a car dealership. Yeah. At what point does that monkey yeah. want more? Start wor- Start feeling like depressed over its life and start like wanting to purchase like nicer things in order to satisfy its need for material goods and like if we're making monkeys smart enough to do yeah. these tasks would they not also be smart enough to start thinking that there was more beyond monkey life yeah like and at that point they're basically just people yeah get into the existential human crisis like sentience point i think the way to go about this is to not have them be monkeys or humans and have a slippery scale in between. Just make them something else like honkies or hunkies. I don't know. Come up with a more science name. Like, Did you just say honkies? Yeah. <laughs> something in Latin perhaps. And then they become their own group of people. Like I guess they would still be – would they be people or would they be animals? That's the question I'm asking. Yeah, like I don't think they would be humans. Like, I guess. I mean, the and monkeys is a curious choice because they are not that far removed from people. Yeah. Like, if they did this with, like, a fish or even, like, dogs. Dogs I'm down with because dogs are dope. Okay. So if you made dogs smarter, that's not a thing where you're going to be like, oh, this is, like, this is a dog with human brain power so it could be a person. It's still going to be a fucking dog. Well, it can't swing a hammer because it doesn't have a thumb. Okay. But monkeys have th- opposable thumbs. Right. So they can that's why they can do the labor. And another thing, like if you're not down with the labor, think of like, remember the movie MVP? The, the most valuable sports, primate? Yeah. How about we get a league of all monkey men playing sports against each other? That would be fucking dope. Like, I don't know what like sport you'd want to see, like. Maybe not hockey, maybe football, baseball. What? Nothing. Why are you laughing? Like, no, but like, I mean, think of how far a monkey could throw a football. Or. I don't actually know, because I probably know as far as a human. I think once you gave him some human. If it was like a silverback gorilla, maybe. Yeah, but. Like one of the big monkeys. Yeah, but you can't have gorillas because they're like notoriously lethargic because they're that big and they only eat plants. So they have to like sit on the ground and eat and digest stuff. You need like one of the smaller nimbler monkeys who eat meat so that they can have more stored calories. So they have a higher energy output. Okay. What if we took a gorilla? Yes. We gave it human brain genes. Yeah. Steroids. Yeah. And a bag of crystal meth. Yes. Sports. Sports. Would be the best sport. Let's do it. Yes. Someone call Vince McMahon. He's like, we've got a fucking pitch for you, buddy. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think monkey sports could could be entertaining. I'd watch yeah. it. I and just call it that. Like, don't even blossom. <laughs> no, just monkey sports. monkey sports league. <laughs> MSL. How did that monkey end up playing baseball in MVP? I don't remember. All I do know that M- MVP3 was most vertical champ primate. And he <laughs> skateboarded. And then he played hockey in one, didn't he? Yeah. Or did he play hockey in the first one? Uh, MVP, Most Valuable Primate. Yeah, looks like he's a hockey player in that one. Two stars on IMDb. Wow, people did not <laughs> like this movie. Yeah, uh, most people don't like 
movies like that anymore. Oh, it's from the creators of Airbud. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like, oh, this is like Airbud, but with a monkey instead of a dog. Oh, my God. Makes sense. Like, even they started with dogs before monkeys. So another thing, too, is, like, do you want to get into the serious implications of this, or do you want to just talk about, like, fantastical crazy ideas i thought we talked about the serious implications when we said the plot of planet of the apes <laughs> like what well, i mean like if china is making smarter monkeys war it's only inevitable it goes war. to war like yeah. you're like those are soldier monkeys every time somebody's like that's a good idea how can we use it to kill people which by the way china you've got yeah. like fucking eight billion people already why do you need to add monkeys to your army. That's true. Like, you already have the biggest army, I mm-hmm. think. I One second. They ha- well, that. there's more people in India now than there is in China. They just surpassed them because they both have over a billion. But I think Largest India- army in the world. Number one, China. Number two, India. Number three, United States. Number four, North, North Korea. What? North Korea's number four? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure North Korea is like... Oh, every you're born. Day. You're in the army. <laughs> yeah, that makes That's sense. It. Yeah. Here's your gun. Yeah. Don't use it on the government. Yeah. So like China's already number one for number. Yeah. They should like instead of like making more ground troops, they should be like making super smart scientists to make like to fly like better planes and like Jaegers and stuff like big robots like. Yeah, scrap the monkey soldier program and go into what was that movie? Robot Jocks. Go oh, that dude. Route. Yeah, that movie was fucking. And what was the recent uh, kind of remake they did? Pacific uh, Rim, but it wasn't really the same. Yeah, they were. They weren't. They didn't make giant robots to fight each other to replace war. They made giant robots because they had to fight monsters from another dimension. Yeah, but Robot Jocks was like probably my favorite movie growing up as a kid. Oh, dude. That chainsaw penis that the one robot had that just <laughs> popped out, still probably the best weapon I've ever seen. Like, if you're a giant robot, people are scared of you. If you're a giant robot with a giant fucking chainsaw penis, nobody's going to mess with you. Well, I mean, people did mess with them. Well, you had to have a hero, but... Yeah. We should just watch that movie again. That movie was great. We should do... For our next episode of Outrage Factory, instead of talking about shit that made people mad online, yeah. we should just do a live viewing of Robot Jocks, where... We talk about how shitty it is and how it's ruining our childhood. No, to see about how, how it's withstood the <laughs> test of time and it's still the greatest story ever told. And about how this is, this is how all wars should be fought now. They definitely should be fought like that. Like, you shouldn't have, like, people getting massacred in horrible situations. You should just have a representative from each country have a giant robot, and they fight each other. Although, isn't there a scene where one of the giant robots, like, falls over and actually does end up, like, wiping out a ton of innocent civilians? Yeah, what happens is the good guy falls on the crowd, and it, like, fucks him up mentally, and he, like can't be a robot fighter anymore yeah. and then they have to get the band back together and get him to fight the big bad guy i think the big bad guy is the guy with the chainsaw penis would make sense was it germany in that do they normally put i feel like i don't think they alluded to specific countries did yeah they? but anyways like it was the bad guy 
and him both fell into the crowd. And of course, the bad guy didn't give a fuck because he's the bad guy. But the good guy was all torn up about it. So the bad guy used it to kind of win the fight and use it as an exploit. Yeah, it's just the market and the confederation are what they're called. Those are two terribly named countries. The market is influenced by the West, and the Confederation was influenced by Russia, which I guess makes sense. This would have been, what, at the tail end of the Cold War? Yeah. 1990? What? The market was the U.S.? Yeah. You figure the Confederation, that's a very American word because of the Confederate. So maybe that's why they stayed away from it because of the Civil War thing, how they had, like, the Confederate soldiers and stuff. Hmm. That makes sense why they would make those the bad guys. Makes you think. Yeah. All right. Well. Do you want to talk about anything else? I do not care about anything else on there. We are at an hour for our episode. Hey. Was there anything else you wanted to say? No, because there was one I just wanted. It was just like I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about the Holocaust. And I was like, holy shit, that's terrible. But the International Day of Remembrance for the Holocaust just passed. I think oh, in January. I didn't remember and it at all. We didn't fucking like Honor it. pay any attention. But it's like, oh, I wanted to bring this up because they're starting this new thing. Um, That's a hard one to commemorate on social media because oh, it shouldn't be taken. It's pictures. very funny that you say social media because they're launching oh. this thing called Eva Heyman, who took um, had a diary during 1944 and. She lived in Germany, I think. And what they're doing is... Hungry. Oh, yeah. They're retelling all the stories from her diary as if she had Instagram back then. So instead of like her writing it down, she's like taking selfies and stuff. And when I first read this, I was like, that sounds very gauche. And I don't know if that's tacky or the most terrible thing. But then it's... um, It's... Uh, being bankrolled by Israel, like an Israeli billionaire, who, if anybody has a say on what's gauche about the Holocaust, it's Israel. Oh, yeah. And then their whole thing was they wanted to tell it because they're saying that the world is forgetting about how fucking terrible the Holocaust was, and they kind of want to retell it so that the younger generation can identify with it more to see what it would be like to live in that situation with your Instagram, like they're talking about how she was like taking a selfie and then like a representative of the German sh- soldier walked by and like said something mean to her because she was Jewish and then just how that was like an everyday occurrence so people can kind of understand how terrible it was. Yeah, probably. I mean, it still sounds tacky as fuck, yeah. but probably necessary in this day and age because we do see an upswing in like young people being like Nazism was cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, like this podcast I listened to like ruined me because they were talking about like some of the horrific things that happened at Auschwitz. And I was just like, ooh, and like I was just like drove home in this like fog because it just like it felt like my insides were just melted. And I was like, I don't even know if I can talk on the podcast because I don't know if I can make jokes about anything right now because this And yet you push through and you found a way. We are (laughs) all better for it. I would like to thank Monster Energy (laughs) (laughs) for unmelting that cloud inside me. But like, I don't know. Seriously though, I think we should like Dan Carlin's 
podcast about the great like hard, World hard War One, yeah, World War One and Two should be mandatory listening because the way he walks you through what actually happened in World War One just gives you like you're like oh fuck I didn't know any of this because people told me to read it myself out of a book and I'm not going to retain any of that but if a guy's talking to me while I'm playing video games then I could totally listen to it and Absorb take it all in like yeah fifty percent of it and it's just like. I was thinking about it today and people are always like, oh, why are people so obsessed with World War II and all this stuff? It's so terrible. But it's like the more I learn about World War II and how fucking terrible it was, the like – it just like puts a big ray of sunshine on modern society because right now it's like your problems are – like if you don't have any major problems – you just step it down and then whatever would be the next in line on the problems is the worst. Like if you can't pay your bills, that's the biggest problem in your life. If you can pay your bills, it steps down and it's something else. Like back then it was like there's a madman trying to wipe a group of people off the planet and we have to stop him and there's all these horrors happening. And it's just like you hear about like what life was like in Europe and you're like, oh, that's fucking terrible. And then you're like, oh. I was complaining because it rained yesterday and I didn't get enough vitamin D and now I'm kind of sad. It's like, okay, but that's a very, like there are people out there with like major, you know, like we've got like uh, wealth inequality and like, oh yeah, no, you know, like poverty. I mean, if we're, if you're a person who could afford to listen to this podcast, you're complaining about your problems. You don't. Yeah. And another thing that makes me feel better about my life, which also kind of depresses me is that if you make, over $30,000 a year, you're part of the 1% globally. Like, you're the in the 1% of richest people on the planet. Isn't that a frighteningly low number? Like, if you, like, when people say, oh, the 1% have all this money and stuff, you're like, that's obviously all those millionaires and stuff. But it's like, no, if you make over $15 an hour and have a full-time job, you're in the 1% of the global like population. Yeah. Which should really fuck everyone up to think of like how, how many people out there like living with far less than that. Yeah. I mean, like think about you living on $30,000 a year right now. Couldn't. And then think about the millions and millions of people out there who are surviving on like pennies a day. Yeah, exactly. It's fucked. All yeah. Right. I like how, we just told all these jokes and then we brought it back and depressed everybody. So let's punch out now. All right. Everybody's yeah. On, and we'll dudes. end on a low note, uh, Holocaust and poverty and, you know, everything's going to shit. Hey, I've been your co-host, Derek Bolin. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Herder. I've been your other co-host, Dale DeRuder. You can follow me on Twitter at SuperDaleBot. I'm fucking off to Philadelphia for six days, but we'll be back with a new episode Woo! next week. Yeah. I'm uh, staying here. My girlfriend's going to Winnipeg, so I'm going to be oh, home the alone. Philadelphia of Canada. Yeah. The funniest thing was she was like, when I'm gone, are you going to party and go out and do all this stuff? And I was like, no, I am going to do nothing. I will legitimately be surprised if you remove yourself from your couch <laughs> the entire time she's gone. <laughs> like, I would consider that. This will be what happened. I'll be like, I'm going to make all these plans to go do this stuff. And then, like, on Saturday, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go for a drive somewhere. I'm going to go check out nature. And then uh, next thing I know, it'll be 3 p.m. And I'll be like, hmm, I should probably make something to eat. 
and that'll be my day. <laughs> <laughs> Might get some good podcast listening in, though. Yeah. Uh, hey, you can follow us on Twitter at OurHVACPod or like us on Facebook at OurHVACPod. Uh, you can find all our episodes listed on Simplecast slash Outrage Factory. Uh, OurHVACTORY.SimpleCast.com. Yeah, that one. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, somewhere else. Uh, Stitcher, I think, is another one. Is feel, it still around? Oh, yeah, it still exists, bud. Yeah. Uh, feel free to uh, subscribe, rate, and review us. It would mean a lot. I have seen some ratings coming in, so people are clearly listening to the ends of these episodes, which That's is That's nice. amazing. Yeah. And if you made it this far, thank you very much. Yeah. You are a great person. Also, if you made it this far, give us money. You can do so on patreon.com slash outrage factory. Yeah, because even though... I should say that more. Conclusive. We have way more than the one percent. We're like in the one percent. We want to be maybe in the point one percent. No, we live below the poverty line. Yeah, and we slave away on this podcast so we can bring information to your ears and make you sound smart and well informed with your friends. Yeah. Also, I'm gonna do a retake on that thing because it didn't sound very assertive when I was telling the people give us money. So, can I just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go okay. ahead. One, one wait, second. wait. You don't don't be mean though. Like we want them no. to give it. Hey, maybe, wait, wait. Maybe shame them a okay. bit. Okay. Hey, we're very poor and you're very rich, and we do a lot of work and we pour our heart and souls into this podcast every week, not for our benefit, but for yours. Uh, so if you have a couple spare dollars kicking around. For the price of like a Starbucks latte, you could make Dale and I very happy. Uh, please donate to us at patreon.com slash outrage factory. Thank you. Good? Yeah. Better? My favorite part was when you alluded that we still have souls. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a lie. We'll edit that out. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anything else? No. Oh, uh, my podcast interview about my creative process is available now. Uh, Drop today. Uh, Jess Couture, who is a friend of ours, uh, has. Does she know Logan Couture? Shopdale. <laughs> she has a podcast called Creative on the Side. You can find that online. Uh, Dale and I were also the token toxic males on Fear of Science. That episode will be dropping May 15th. Oh, uh, it's just under two weeks. Fear of masculinity. Please check that out. Uh, and until next week. Stay angry.